Hello and welcome home. You're listening to the Tribe Abuja podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you to know and make known the truth and love of God the Father as expressed through His Son, Jesus. Let's listen to the message. But the thing is, it was a novel. It was written by this guy who was an agnostic. And an agnostic is someone that is not sure of the existence of God. Um, so he wanted, he, had, he was a writer, he was a former military officer. He wanted to write on, uh, okay, no. He was in a train with his colleague, a colonel, or was a general. And the man who was an atheist, they, started, they struck up a conversation and they started talking about the Christian faith. Then what happened was, um, the writer of Ben-Hur realized how ignorant he was of religion. Like, he did not know anything about Christianity. So he said he was going to go on a quest to find out about Christianity. So in all his research, he even went all the way to Jerusalem. So this is, I think, in the 20, 1920s or so, very early on. Child. What happened was, in his quest to write a novel about Christianity he now became a Christian. And that book, in the first year, did not really start well. But it later became so popular that years later, when it was adapted into a movie, it packed Oscars. And at some point, they said, I think it was the, um, after the Bible, it was the second, um, as at its time, uh, second best-selling book after the Bible, as I said, also, I, I, I think so. So doubt, like I said, should lead us to truth. Doubt should not chase you away from the truth. So I know so many of us, we have friends that have questions, and they probably have not had answers. Then you find that they leave the faith. Also, um, share the story about how many of us have seen the movie The Case for Christ. Um, it came out, I think, about two or three years ago. But it's actually a book written by um, a former Chicago journalist called Lee Strobel. I've read the book several times. It's one of the books that has impacted my faith. This man, um, revered journalist in Chicago then, his wife comes home one day and she tells him she's now a Christian. And he was like, what? What, what the heck, like, no. So, you know, she would go to church, she would do all these things, and it was irritating him. Then she now said, see, you're an investigative journalist, right? Why not treat Christianity as one of your stories? Go on a journey to find out if this thing is true. So he went round the country investigating and interviewing the Christian faith and pastors, um, professors, of theology, of philosophy, Christians that had reasons to believe what they believed about the Christian faith. And he wrote this book, The Case for Christ. So he started out as an atheist, but ended up becoming a pastor. And honestly, my story has been that way, kind of. Of course, I grew up in an Anglican home. But because I had loved ones very early on, I spent a considerable part of my life angry at God. And when I asked questions and I wasn't getting answers, 
by the time I got into university, I, I found freedom, and I felt I wanted to live my life the way I wanted. But the Lord had other plans. By the time I got in my third year, I got born again. Weird thing, um, I went to look for a baby in fellowship that day. Next to him, I'm in front crying like a baby. Anyway, so um, doubt should lead to truth, right? And now Christian apologetics is a branch of is a branch of our faith or theology that provides answers or gives reasonable defense for the faith that we believe in. Or as um, as his Prowl puts it, he says it is the science, um, the science of apologetics is to give intellectual defense or a response to the truth. So that word apologetics, it doesn't mean to apologize. Apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia, meaning to give a defense. So you can be a food apolog- apologist. Do you understand? You can be, um, there are Islamic apologists. There are Buddhist apologists. Basically, anyone that can give a defense for what they believe in. Are we together so far? So Christian apologetics is being able to give an answer for what you believe. Are we together? So the command for that is found in 1 Peter 3.15. Can we open to 1 Peter 3.15? Peter 3.15. So, I know only people with iPhone have reached there, so I'll just start. <laughs> First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So this is kind of like the great commission of Christian apologetics. So Apostle Peter is saying, but in your heart, set Christ the Lord as holy. Set Jesus Christ as holy. Always being ready to give a reason and that, or a defense. That word he used there is the Greek word apologia. Always being ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Are we together? So, I want you to say after me, apologetics is for everyone. Apologetics is for everyone. So, some of us may know one of the most famous Christian apologists that has walked our earth, um, Ravi Zacharias, who died in April or May. How many of us know Ravi Zacharias, heard of him? So he, in our generation, kind of like 
made Christian apologetics popular again. But how many of us have also heard of C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis is also one of the grandfathers of Christian apologists because these men, you know, spent time in the academia understanding logic, philosophy, but they were Christians. And because they knew that what they believed in was true, and because of the assault on Christianity, they spent time learning how to give a defense for what they believed. Are we together so far? So it is not something that C.S. Lewis or Ravi invented. It is something that has always been, like we see Apostle Peter saying, always be ready. In your hearts, set Christ, set Christ the Lord as holy, always being ready to give a defense. Are we together so far? Always being ready to give a defense. So we have these great people like um, C.S. Lewis that we know, Ravi Zacharias. Um, it started really with the apostles. And we see in Acts, the book of Acts, where Paul goes to a Greek town of Athens, which was kind of like the cultural capital of the world then. And he goes to a place called Mars Hill. Do we know the story? Then he sees um, an inscription somewhere, and it says, to the unknown God. Then he started to engage the people of the city and introduce Christ. So what Paul was doing there was apologetics. Engaging in the philosophers of the day and the thinkers of the day. Do you understand? And we see right now there is a war on our worldview or there's a battle of worldviews that is going on right now. Basically, a worldview is defined as the lens through which you see life, the lens through which you see eternity. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and they'll, they'll, um, maybe they're trying to prove their point and they'll say, I beg, I beg, Mo, just drop Bible now. Has that happened before? Yeah, some of you have not done it to people. But, <laughs> But basically, what they are trying to tell you, and it doesn't make sense to you, right? Because you're like, that's like denying myself. If I had to drop the Bible, that's disregarding my worldview. That's what they are asking you basically to do. So there are competing worldviews, and we'll go into that in the rest of the, uh, of the series. But our worldview is Christianity. And that is how we see life. We see um, life through the lens of the cross, through the lens of the death, burial, Resurrection of the Christ, of, of Christ Jesus. Amen. So in the early days, in the early church, they struggled with this as well. Because um, a, um, Rome was a, ancient Rome, it was a civilization that uh, was polytheistic. So they allowed you to serve any god, but the emperor Shah must also be served. So when this group of people as Christians came out, they were just like, oh, this is just another sect. But what happened was they started hearing rumors that these people gather somewhere and they eat body and drink blood. Then they started hearing that these people that are calling themselves Christians, they, are actually, they actually were calling Christians atheists. Then they now heard that 
They are worshiping a man that we crucified. And it didn't make sense to them. Then worst of all was this man that crucified. They claim he resurrected, but they call him Lord. And Lord was not just an ordinary term. If you trace the roots of the word, Lord means sir. But it's not just sir. It, is, it had a um, divine attribute to it. So they wanted everybody in Rome to say Caesar Kairos, which was Caesar is Lord. But the Christians were like, Nehi, we are not going to say that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's Jesus Christ. So they now saw, oh, we're allowing you worship your God, but this now seems like a political movement that we don't understand. So they started carrying out campaigns on Christians. And that's when the first matters, you know, started, um, uh, um, the martyrdom of the Christian church started. So it was not so much that the Christians were nice people or that was not the issue. They saw Caesar as a divine being. And this person that these people were claiming to worship, they were calling him Lord. And that was a political threat they couldn't handle. So, a lot of times, um, there was a man called Bishop Polycarp who was killed and the emperor gave him a last chance in the arena and said, all you have to say is Caesar Kairos. That is, Caesar is Lord. And he said, no, Jesus is Lord. And Bishop Polycarp lost his life. So it is something that has actually always been. So in our generation, the battle we are seeing is an assault on our Christian faith, especially in your, if you're on social media. And if you, if you actually leave the four walls of the church or, you're, or you interact, like I'm sure we do, with other people from other faiths, you will see that not many understand our faith or understand our truth, but there is a strategic and deliberate um, attack on our faith because it is not understood. But another thing is we Christians have not been discipled to give an answer for what we believe. So I want us to understand that how you became a Christian and why you are a Christian, there are two different things. A lot of us, we have the testimony of how we became Christians. I used to be a bad boy. They preached that day in church. I used to be a bad girl. I used to be a church. Preached that day. In, I, I gave my life to Christ. Now I'm a Christian. But why are you a Christian? Why are you choosing Jesus and not Amadioha? Why are you choosing Jesus and not any other God? Not many of us have answers or can, have, and can answer those questions. So Christian apologetics is that discipline that aims to answer these questions. Amen. And honestly, the body of Christ in Nigeria, we need to wield Christian apologetics as a weapon. I honestly feel that the church of God in Nigeria, we need it more now than ever. Yes, the church still exists, the Church of Christ is beautiful, and there are projections that um, in the next 
by 2025 or so, or is it 2050, there are about, there'll be about 50, oh, how many million Christians in Nigeria? But our, and the, the largest move is the charismatic Pentecostal um, move that is sweeping over Africa and sweeping over Nigeria, which is beautiful. But at the same time, because the charismatic movement and the Pentecostal movement, it's almost as if we dwell so much on the power and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We just want to see God move, the Spirit of God move. We just want power, 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 power. And it's not bad because the thing about the gospel is you, 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 you present the gospel to your audience in the way they understand it. So our parents, our grandparents, they largely fought with demons. <laughs> Am I lying? So they really needed the spirit of God. Do you understand? We needed power because we're dealing with like ancient gods, demons. Do you understand? Strongholds that came in form of black cats, owls. Till today, I can't even look at an owl in, 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 even in my phone without my chest doing beam. Because, you know, our Nollywood has to, told us, do you understand? Like, we are aware that there are demonic forces. Like, I don't think any Nigerian, well, I think that's, that should be, that, what I was about to say was wrong, because not many people actually believe in demons. But I know a lot of us are aware that there are demonic forces, right? We are versed in demonology. So, the Nigerian church, we pray a lot to bring down strongholds, to bring down demonic powers. We fast and we pray, and that's beautiful, and that's nice. But there's something we forget. So, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, and he said, the Jews want his sign. Greeks want wisdom. But he will preach Christ crucified, right? Because um, Jesus Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. Honestly, I don't know if this, this next statement may annoy some people, but the Nigerian church, in my estimation, has not been largely wise. Or, let me put it this way, a large, pers a large portion of us have outsourced our thinking to charlatans, to frauds that mount pulpits and think on behalf of the congregation so you are left with an intellectually weak church that only chase the power of God but are left dumb. So we only engage, like we will speak in tongues and we will pray but we are intellectually bankrupt because we don't even know the scripture. And a lot of times, when you are asked to defend the faith, you quote your pastor more than you quote the scripture. And that is wrong. We must change. Our generation has to, we must know, and, and it's so unfortunate I will hear from pulpits that this ministry is only about showing the power of God. It is not either or. It is both and. We can show the wisdom and the power of God. 
So Paul will speak on Mars Hill to the thinkers and the philosophers and present the gospel, but he will go somewhere else and do miracles. There was no divorce. Are we? We must see the revival and the reformation we are praying for. Honestly, I'm praying that we must bring in Christian apologetics into this. Christian apologetics, like a love for the word of God, a love for scripture. A lot, a lot of us would chase prophecy more than we chase God in the Bible. Then we end up with people that manipulate us. May God redeem his body and heal his body in our nation. We this, this thing is not either or. And it's because we have been lazy. Outsourcing our thinking to the pastor. Can you imagine? Paul commended the, 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 the believers in Berea. And, and he, after preaching, they said, we are not just going to take your word for it. We are going to go back and find out. So, quote scripture more than you quote your pastor. Quote scripture more than you know, more than you quote your apostle or your bishop. This, it's for every one of us. Scripture is for every one of us. I'm not going into something different, but are we together on this? Yeah? First, doubt should lead you to truth. And this truth... We've outsourced the search for truth to other people. You have a, a responsibility to chase truth and to make it known in your life. You have a responsibility to know truth, but to make truth known. Glory to God. Amen. So every one of us, every generation, our genera every generation will have the opportunity to give a defense for what they believe. Every generation. And our generation, because the walls have been broken down and we are now a global village. So there is a war of worldviews. There is a war on ideologies. And if you just engage, if you're on social media, you will see that reality. That is not everybody that believes what you believe. And those of you that went abroad to study, you will see that it's not everybody that sends you your faith. It's not everybody that, that believes what you believe. And for the first time, I know so many of us, we're having that culture shock where you've grown up in church, you've grown up surrounded by Christians, and for the first time you're in a land where <laughs> they, it's not, they don't just believe what you believe, they are assaulting your belief. There's so many of us, bless you, so many of us end up struggling with our faith. So every generation, we have to defend our faith. Now, when I say defend, I'm not saying kind of like defend God, right? So, um, maybe a lawyer will help me here. When, when you're giving a defense, 
you're not necessarily, um, should I have used this analogy? I feel like I'm out of, I'm out of my, anyway, what I'm saying. <laughs> Giving a defense is not necessarily um, protecting God. You're not protecting God. <laughs> Do you understand? You are giving reason for why you believe what you believe. Lawyers, I'm on the right path, Abby. Yes, thank you. So, okay, even if you check in the Bible, I think in the New Testament, the word apologia, to give a, a, a reasonable defense for what you believe, was used about 17 times. And I think two of those times was when Paul was giving a defense to um, the courts and um, the king also. So he was, you know, can you guys remember when he was arrested um, several times and he had to make a presentation about why he believed what he believed. So the church, the Nigerian church, facing a war, honestly, if we are not careful in the next five, 10 years, we will see a mass exodus of our people if we are not careful because and no, I'm also saying, the, the beautiful thing is, I'm also seeing the work God is doing. But we are losing people from within the church because we are unable to give answers. But there are answers. There are answers. And by the grace of God, over the next few weeks, we'll be finding out some of these answers. So in our pursuit of power, uh, for pursuit of faith, one of the errors I hear is, see, no thing can just believe. That is a bloody lie. It is, see, we are not our faith. I, I've said in our Bible studies class, I said I will stop using that. But you know, in English, they use faith as a synonym for religion. So let me, in Christianity, we are not using blind faith. Are you with me? We are not using blind faith. We have a logical, reasonable, reason, logical, reasonable reason for why we believe what we believe. We believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus that has historical proof, philosophical proof. Amen. Spiritual proof. It's not blind faith. You don't close your eyes and believe in Jesus Christ. That is not what is here. So if anybody just says close your eye and believe, it's a lie. That is not of us. We believe in Jesus, the person of Jesus, and his finished works. Are we together? Amen? So even Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, he had to tell the Corinthian church, see, a couple of us actually saw the resurrected Christ. 50 people in Jerusalem, he appeared to 50. He stayed a couple of while, a couple of while, um, for, for a couple of time with them. He appeared to me also. He appeared to the apostles. What I'm telling you, that's Paul speaking in the Corinthian church, is not fiction. We have seen the resurrected Christ. That is why we have faith in him. So you are not serving an invisible, non-existent God. Because 
So the, some of the, um, the two prominent questions that we have in Christian apolog apo um, apologetics that we get from um, the outside is the existence of God, if God really exists, and the authority of Scripture. And by the grace of God, during the series, we'll talk about some of these things. So Christian apologetics is for everyone. Have you seen some of the, have you heard or seen some of the questions young people are asking? I have uh, an 11-year-old sister. Sometimes I avoid her because her questions, fam, her questions. And if we don't help answer now, or even some of our family members and our friends, and help them see, say, I may not know the truth, but can we search together? Can we go on this journey for truth? Because you know what you believe is true, but you don't necessarily have the answer, but you know that you can arrive at truth. So you have to admit, like, we must be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know, in that moment, and say, but, can we search together? Our generation must be bold enough and compassionate enough to live out what we believe. The confidence that we have in the gospel be confident enough as well to live it out that our lives don't just show the power of God but the truth as well. So that Christ in us becomes the wisdom and the power of God. Amen. I hope I've not lost anybody so far. No one, yeah? So, um, in, in our faith, we must understand that reason, logic, does not... I said in our faith. In Christianity, reason and logic does not um, negate, it doesn't negate faith. So when people say there is no logic in Christianity, I wonder, do you look left and right before you Because that's, that's logic. So you're not removing your brain when you worship God. That is not what Christianity is about. But like I said, unfortunately, there are people that market, that harvest the brains and the minds of people and fill it with jargon. But we have to reclaim truth. And we have to know that what we believe is not just true, but people can leave it out as well. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So, I want us to also see this, that the greatest apologetic is a life well lived. The greatest barrier to faith that I've seen is Christians and not even Christ necessarily. So Mahatma Gandhi was speaking to someone, he says, I, I love your Christ but I don't like your Christians. Because he saw a, 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 a gap.
between who we claim to believe in and how we actually lived our lives. How many of us have heard, well, I thought you were a Christian. Has anybody told you that before? Do you understand? Like, <laughs> say, but I thought you were a Christian. It's because they know they can see Jesus and who we claim to believe that he is, there's something about this man. There's something about who these people worship. But there's something wrong about how they live their lives. They recognize our hypocrisy. Um, it's called, uh, um, what is it? It's called cognitive bias, right? This dissonance, thank you. So we believe something, we affirm something, but our lives tell a totally different story. It's one of the greatest barriers. So I want us to know that even though Christian apologetics is about giving a reasonable intellectual defense for what you believe, you cannot argue anybody into the kingdom of God. Christian apologetics is not about proving a point. So Ravi will say something like, when you are asked a question, it's not just your responsibility to answer the question, you should answer the questioner. Because it is about people. It is not about um, being able to just pull up wise answers and give savage responses. Because there are people on social media, for the past two or three years, there's someone that we know that has, his, his, it seems one of his sole purposes is to just attack the body of Christ. I know some of you know who I'm talking about. But unfortunately, what we have seen, uh, I have noticed is, Christians have not been able to give a reasonable response to so many of his attacks. All we do is because he insults one of our men of God, we insult, we, I mean, we respond with insults. Insults does not win anybody. So because he's insulting one of our pastors, we say, how dare you touch one of our anointed? And we lay courses on him. And anybody that comes at our faith, Apostle Peter is saying, but in your heart, set Christ apart as holy and always being ready to give a reason or give a defense for what you believe. Then listen, he says, do it with gentleness and do it, do it with respect. Why? Because you are not protecting God. Let me also say this. You are not protecting the church because Jesus himself said he will build his church. It is about you giving a reason for what you believe and do it with gentleness and do it with respect. So a lot of we don't respect Christianity because of our behavior. We preach one thing and we leave out another thing. The greatest apologetic is a life well lived. So, what we preach and how we live 
should not be a separate thing. It should not be a separate thing. Because people, the world, will know us by our love. Not how smart you are, how, why, how, 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 how much um, of scripture you know, and the response you're able to give to the attacks of faith. Are we together so far, tribe? The greatest apologetic is a life well lived. See, we must make up our minds that what we believe and how we live should not, there should be no divorce. There should be no separation. That when people see Jesus and they look at you, no difference. Because at the end of the day, we are to conform into the image of Christ. Am I right or am I right? That is what it should be. That's what Christian apologetics is. So it's not just giving a verbal response, but it is living a life that is an answer to the questions our generation is asking. That's why Christian apologetics is for everyone. You must not be a philosopher, um, a philosopher, professor of theology, professor of logic, or professor of Christian apologetics. Every one of us, we have to know answers. We have to live out these answers. I hope you know there are professors of Christian theology that are not Christians. Do we know that? <laughs> so that people know the Bible doesn't make them Christians. What we believe must match how we live. And that is the greatest apologetic. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me share a quote by Ravi. He says, I have little doubt that the single greatest obstacle to the impact of the gospel has not been its inability to provide answers, but the failure on our part to leave it out. Just look at almost every election cycle, regardless of the country, and just see the behavior of Christians. And you see some of the responses from the other side, and you say, how can you claim to love, and this is how you are living, or this is your response to people. We have work to do. We have work to do in the body of Christ. Amen. We have work to do. And the Nigerian church, we have to be discipled on Christian apologetics. We, will, we should stop living. See, it is so painful when I hear so many of the things going on in some churches. Where people twist scripture and try and bend God's arm to feed their, what's the word? Their agenda of trying to line up their pockets. It's so sad. And so many of us, we will literally 
like Jude 20 says, we'll have to go and reach in and drag people out of the fire. <laughs> anyway, I'm praying that at the tribe and other churches, that God will revive in our hearts a hunger for his word, but also a passion and compassion for unbelievers. But more than anything, the grace to live out the truth that we believe in. So always be ready to give a reason, to give a defense for what you believe. Hallelujah. It says, in your heart, set Christ as Lord. And people literally died for this, the early church. You say, say Caesar is Lord. And they said, no, Jesus is Lord. And they lost their lives. We may not have emperors right now that threaten us in that manner. But there are competing ideologies and worldviews that compete for lordship over your life. And you have to say, no, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Corel, can you come up, please? I want to pray for two persons. Just, am I going to take communion? I want to pray for two persons here. Two sets of people. The first, can we just rise, please? The first set of persons here is, I want to pray for anyone that wants to give their lives to Christ. To know Jesus. Or you feel like you've been far away from the faith. If you can just raise your hand. This is not a close your eyes. There's nothing shameful about this. So just raise your hand and some of our team members will be with you to pray with you. If you are here in this building and you would like to give your life to Christ. If you want to know Jesus and accept his healing, his redemption. Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. Second set of persons I want to pray for. If you know you are called into some missional work, and that could be anything from actually going into the mission field, or you are called into some cultural work, and... Um, you're, you know the Lord is calling you to be a missionary of sorts, and it could be in any arena, any sphere, from politics to entertainment, to the media, to government, anything. I want you to just raise your hand. Let us pray. Just raise your hand high. This is something... Just raise your hand. Let me see who I'm praying for. The Lord has called you into business, anything. The rest of us, can we just be praying? Just be praying. Please just raise your hand. I want to see the persons I'm praying for. Father, I pray for these ones. I pray that they are rooted and planted in you. I pray that Christ is their foundation. And that they boldly know your truth but live it out passionately in the mighty name of Jesus.
I pray, Father, Lord, that that where you are sending them to, Lord, that you give them the grace, Lord, to be bold, to make you known where you are sending them to in the mighty name of Jesus. Spirit of God, rest on them. Spirit of God, rest on us. Let us know you in Jesus' name. Let us make you known in the mighty name of Jesus. Spirit of God, I pray that these ones, your envoys, your missionaries, in the culture, in society, in the political arena, in media and entertainment, Father, I pray that you arm them with your truth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Worship team, can you come up as they share our communion? The rest of us, can we just pray? Let's just pray that the Lord will give us the grace to live out this truth that we believe. That we will live unashamed. That we will live unafraid. That there will be no difference between what we claim to believe and how we live our lives. Jesus, you alone, our rock, our cornerstone, high within our hearts, high within our minds. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you were blessed by the message. To listen to more, consider subscribing, sharing, and rating the podcast. We love you.